This week, we talked about the frontrunners in a Supreme Court nominee race and Trump's wild statement at a campaign rally. You're listening to Politics Schmaltics, and this is the week of 2 6 2022. Hello, everyone. I hope you've been having a nice couple of weeks, and let us begin. It's time, once again, Justice Breyer is officially stepping down from his Supreme Court position as soon as a new justice per spot is announced. Now, this isn't something that happens quite often, and in addition to that, the timing of it all is crucial. Breyer made the wise decision to step down before midterms and give the Democrats a chance of putting someone in to carry on his legacy. Right now, the midterms are around just nine months away, And essentially what the midterms are, are they are the elections held for everyone in the House of Representatives, as where their term lasts only two years. And it's also held for a certain number of people in the Senate, as where their term lasts six years, so their election years are more jumbled up. Only seven times in history has the current party actually gained seats in either the House or Senate. And taking into account that Biden's approval ratings are slowly sinking, that Trump is going across the country rallying his supporters behind candidates he favors, it doesn't really seem like this is going to be one of the rare rare years where the Democrats, the party in power, actually gain seats. Essentially, what the Democrats and Biden want to do is move fairly fast to get this done by the midterms. Or else, if if conservatives manage to gain seats as expected, the process could be stalled for quite some time. When the Republicans had majority back in 2016, they actually managed to make it so that there was a ga- there was a spot in the Supreme Court that needed to be filled. But since uh, they had majority, Mitch McConnell led the Republicans, and they drew out the process for eight months until Obama's term eventually ended, and Trump got to appoint a new justice. Now, who does Biden want to appoint to the seat? Well, someone relatively younger, because this is a lifetime position, Um, someone who has an open mindset and believes in traditional values liberals are looking for. And finally, while Biden was still a presidential candidate, he made a pledge to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. Now, Biden has to uphold that promise. And Biden had recently said that he's done a deep dive on four possible nominees, but they were never actually revealed. What we do know, however, is that there are two clear front runners in this race, Justice Leandra Kruger of the California Supreme Court and Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. Justice Leandra Kruger was the youngest person in a century to be appointed to the California Supreme Court. She worked as an assistant for the U.S. Solicitor General back in 2007. And what the U.S. Solicitor General does is they argue cases before the Supreme Court. And she did that herself 12 times. She continued working in various positions in Washington, earning respect and rewards. And finally, in 2014, without her having any experience as a judge, she was nominated and confirmed into the position of justice in the California Supreme Court. She excelled there as well, known for her work in the criminal justice system, and right now, she as well checks all the boxes. Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson started down law firms and was the vice chairman on the U.S. Sentencing Committee, on the committee that works with federal guidelines on prison sentencing. 
In 2013, she was confirmed for a seat on the federal trial court, which is essentially a court that decides if a case was rightfully decided by using facts, the Constitution, and the federal law. Last year, she was nominated and confirmed into the D.C. Circuit Court, which basically decides whether the law was used right in certain trials. Once again, she checks all the boxes, plus she was once a possible nominee for Obama back in 2016, and she herself worked with Breyer for some time. Now, finally, although she's not the front runner, she's gained a lot of attention lately by both highly respected Democrats and Republicans alike, Judge Michelle Child. She received a law degree from the University of South Carolina, which is a public school, and that's something no one else on the list has. Everyone came from an Ivy League school, which are very prestigious schools. But you can take this two ways. You could say it makes her less qualified, or you could also say that this would make her a better judge because she has gone through what a lot of the population also has. She also started in a very prestigious law firm and made it into the state labor department. And in 2006, she was elected to the South Carolina Circuit Court bench. She's been known for being very empathetic, but she's not the most liberal candidate. That's why she has support from both sides. Democrat Representative James Clyburn, he, who was given a lot of credit for saving Biden's presidential run, made his support clear for Judge Michelle Childs. He's told Biden that he wants her in that seat. And even Senator Lindsey Graham, a big name in the Republican Party, has said that wouldn't it be something if the first black woman on the Supreme Court was from South Carolina? And he also publicly supports her. He's went as far to predict that Michelle Childs could get 10 votes from the Republican Party if she was to be the nominee. Now, will Biden choose someone more liberal? to continue Breyer's legacy, or would he want to nominate someone who would get bipartisan support, something we don't see enough of nowadays in Congress? Biden did make it clear that he wanted at least some votes from the other side of the aisle. Now, whether that will be a major influence on his choice, we don't know that. All in all, the court is still six to three, so if if the Democrats were to get someone onto the court, it, it would still be in favor of the conservatives. And it doesn't seem like any of the conservative judges are going to be retiring, at least in Biden's term. Maybe maybe in, if he gets elected once again, which doesn't seem very likely. And finally, all in all, this was something even I was thinking for a bit. It, isn't the court supposed to be, you know, like unbiased, everyone with an open mind? But then looking through, look, parties have made, they've gone through humongous amounts and through humongous efforts to get their candidate on the court because they know that, sure, it's important for a judge to have an open mind, but the nominees still benefit the party one way or another. Folks, that was pretty much it for this week. But we still do have one more weekly roundup. What better temptation is there than, listen, if you break the laws for me, I'll make sure you don't get into any trouble. Well, folks, our former president is using it with his supporters. During a rally in Texas, he said that the people involved with January 6th were being treated very unfairly. And that if he was to be elected once again in 2024, he would treat them fairly, perhaps even hand out pardons. I mean... If he needs to pardon them, wouldn't that just 
further push the story of how bad January 6th was. I mean, you only need to be pardoned if you committed a felony. And the president is admitting that they committed felonies. Plus, he had a solid 14 days before he left to pardon everyone. He chose to pardon Little Wayne. He could have pardoned them as well. Plus, many people were sentenced to less than 90 days, and there were a couple of people who were sentenced to much longer, spanning out to over five years, but the majority will be well done with their sentence by the time Trump gets in office. I, I, I don't really know what he's aiming at. It's, it's just a bunch of baloney, but it's probably just a ploy to keep his supporters' energy up and running about the 2024 elections by repeatedly, you know, just teasing the idea that, hey, maybe I'm running and keeping them on edge. Plus, there are many other routes he could have taken to deal with this issue, like paying for their legal fees or even reaching out to Biden to discuss the issue. But apparently he thinks it's much more helpful for everyone to wait years for action than actually giving them something. And that was pretty much it for this episode, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to join our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmolitics2020 at gmail.com. That email is located on our website. Folks, it's a great way to send me feedback about any episodes. Another way you could send feedback, rating us on Apple Podcasts. It also helps make this podcast bigger. Feel free to spread the word with your family, on uncle, coworkers, really anyone, folks. You were listening to Politics Politics, and this was the week of 2-6-2022.